Hey everybody, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. We are, um, boy, we are in the middle of the off season now and, and as we've talked about many times, this is going to be one of those off seasons for the ages. It's going to be unusual with, with the Steelers cap situation and just the league-wide cap situation as it is. Um, and and uh, we did get some some really you know potentially great news this week, depending on your point of view, because everybody's got a different opinion on this. But it looks like Ben Roethlisberger is going to be back um, in 2021, and um, we're we're going to attack that subject in a number of different ways tonight. And uh, I, I was really hoping that uh, Doug, the Ravens fan, was finally going to show up tonight and uh, explain the the bet he lost to a couple of Steelers fans, but. Doug uh, Doug didn't get back with me, and, and tomorrow's his big night where he gets his head shaved and the Steelers logo painted on his head. So uh, I wish him luck. I'm sorry you couldn't be here. It would have been some good uh, good podcast uh, uh, fodder, but uh, be that as it may. Uh, our Ben Anderson is uh, he's celebrating his birthday tonight, and um, I'm really hoping he doesn't call into the show because he's going to be about six sheets of the wind. Uh, if he does, and I'm just going to block him every time he tries to call in. Um, and, and we, do we, I don't even know if he's like 60, 70. I mean, I really don't even know how old he is anymore. He's Um, like Yoda. He's like 900. He might be, he might be, he's got kind of the ears that stick out on the side of his head. Um, he's not quite as green as Yoda, but anyway, um, that was of course the voice of Ian and, and, uh, he's, he's got a couple of his kids falling asleep on his lap right now. So, um, we might, we might get a little pre-show or a uh, uh, mid-show, uh, entertainment from the kids. <laughs> That's always good. And, uh, jumping in for Ben tonight is our very own Ellie Finnerty. And, uh, Ian, I'm sure you're fine. I don't want to talk to you. Ellie, how are you doing? I'm doing fairly well, I'd say. Fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, why fairly well? Why not like well or good or great? Why just fairly well? I'm definitely, um, I don't know about you guys, but Florida seems to have forgotten that there's a pandemic. So ah, um, ah. I am working all day, every day under the sun. Um, so it's been rewarding, but also exhausting. So I might not, I'm not even sure how to spell Pittsburgh Steelers at this point. I'm that <laughs> tired, but... I'm hanging in there. Um, yeah, well, I, I will tell you that, uh, you know, I have family in the Sunshine State. And mm-hmm. um, uh, in fact, my my parents are now down with that family and uh, just just north of uh, of Miami. And um, uh, they have uh, only been there about four or five days. And I, I believe the term was it's like the wild, wild west down here when it comes mm-hmm. to getting a vaccination. So. Um, yes, I, I, I do understand. And, uh, thanks for being with us tonight. You, you might fall asleep within the first five minutes if you've been working that hard. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold it together. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so look, you got to start with the obvious here and, and the fact that, uh, Ben Roethlisberger did meet with, uh, Art Rooney too. And, um, you know, the first couple of things that eked out was, a you know, a tweet uh, here and there, uh, Jerry Dulock and uh, uh, Brooke Pryor, I think, from ESPN saying that, uh, you know, Ryan Tolner, Ben's agent, said it w- went well and, and he expects to be back in 2021. And, um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people find this to be good news, and but there is a percentage that don't. And, and 
I, I think I don't want to speak for all those folks, but I think they were just ready to move on. They're ready to take the the medicine of the cap hit and and try with Mason or whomever this year and go from there. And and look, far be it for me to tell people the you know how to how to have their own opinions because I wouldn't want somebody telling me that. But um, Ellie, your your first reaction at the thought of and I don't want to say he's back because they right. still need to work out the financials. And, and that could be a hiccup. But for all intents and purposes, it looks like Ben's going to be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you fall on this? Um, if I take the financial um, stuff aside, um, mm-hmm. just looking at that quarterback room, I do feel um, that a quarterback room that includes Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and A, another, mm-hmm. um, definitely incites a little bit more hesitancy and maybe fear than having Ben Roethlisberger in that room. So for me personally, it was a bit of a relief. Um, I know how, I, I do understand why people um, were ready to move on. I also mm-hmm. think after so many years of this, like, will he retire? Won't he retire thing that he's done? He, he has done this multiple years where we've kind of had this, like, is he coming back? Isn't he coming back mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then this year was the year where it was almost as if the Steelers were saying, do we even want him back? So I, I can, I can understand people um, making the, the decision in their minds that they're ready to move on. But me personally, I, I am, somewhat relieved at the idea that he will be back just because um i'm not sure that i would be as comfortable with mason at qb1 then Dwayne or dobbs if we could mm-hmm. have him back and then a another from the draft who we would have to give up so much in the draft to get to those top 10 picks and so yes. many people say um it's not worth it if you're not getting those top guys it's, it's not worth going for it so i, I i'm i'm relieved well, and I, I think relieved is a word a lot of people uh, have settled on um, with this. And, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> before Ian tears into this, um, you know, Andrew Filipponi, um, um yeah, I, I mean, tweet, uh, he tweeted something along the lines of, okay, you're happy that Ben's back. You know, do you really think you're going to win, you know, 12 games again, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, what what is your alternative? I, I mean, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, do you really think Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph is going to win you 12 games, uh, let alone maybe nine or 10 with with not only um, the lack of experience, but also with the schedule the Steelers are going to be facing in 2021? I, I just I don't. I, and I realize some of these Pittsburgh media types, they just put stuff out there to get a rise out of people like me. Um, but that one just really irked me. But uh, Ian, um, uh, first of all, I, I forgot a very important question. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? So uh, I had margaritas earlier because we had tacos for dinner and now I'm drinking whiskey. So it's oh. been a wonderful night here. Um, <laughs> yes. But first off, Mark, way yeah. to go like giving any credence to what Pitt Bayless says because <laughs> that's all he does is try and stir things up for reactions and clicks and yes. he called yes. him Pit Bayless. <laughs> <laughs> I you know 
I love Pitt Bayless because it just works. But I, I would also refer to him as like the Colin Coward of Pittsburgh as well. But no, I, I love Pitt Bayless. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Please, please, Ian, continue. Uh, secondly, Ellie did a great job couching the fact that Mason Rudolph straight up sucks. And Mason's Mason's ceiling is about Ben's floor. So if you think about, you know, what's the worst possible record we could have with Ben Roethlisberger starting every game, you're right. probably going to wind up in the, you know, eight-ish wins category, maybe seven, maybe nine if things mm-hmm. go, you know. But mm-hmm. Ben's Ben's floor is basically eight wins, which is also Mason's ceiling. Like if Mason Rudolph played the best possible football that Mason Rudolph is capable of playing, right? you might get eight wins out of them, so, given our schedule next year. Yes. So, oh, 100%. It, yeah, so it's it's absolutely giving ourselves a chance to win with Ben in the room. Um, you know, given where we are in the draft, even to get up to the place where we could potentially take a quarterback, you know, top 12-ish, mm-hmm. you're talking about not only this year's first-round pick and maybe another pick this year, like a third, but yep. also next year's first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about the last few weeks on the show, we have nobody under contract. We have like 17 players under yeah. contract in 2022. So, I mean, this team, if they're going to move on from some of the the other veterans, you know, your, your David DeCastros, your Joe Haydens of the world, then mm-hmm. they're going to need replacements for those guys too. Um, so we, we, we need those picks as well. Um, so having Ben back kind of delays your decision a year. But, you know, if we wind up in a mediocre spot, then we're also in a better spot to potentially trade up for a quarterback next year. So, um, you know, this year we're picking 24th and we're a little far out of the range to be able to get up into that, that top 10 area where you'd have to give up something significant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're looking at, you know, if, if worst case scenario, we go eight and eight and are in the middle of the pack next year, then, you know, and then Ben retires, then maybe you trade up and can grab someone. But I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with having Ben as the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a much better situation than Mason or Haskins or whoever. And it may just be me having to take the role of cantankerous old man now that our Ben is not on the call and out celebrating <laughs> his birthday. Right, but right. I feel like the people who are are on the anti Roethlisberger, you know, the I want him to retire bandwagon did not live through the six and 10 season of 2002 and, or 2003, excuse me. Right, right. And almost certainly did not live through the late eighties or mid to late nineties when we were really, really bad also. Um, although I guess we never really, really, I mean, we never had like yeah. you know, 12 or 13 loss season, like six and 10 was kind of our floor, but still right. like, you know, the, the people who are out there saying, no offense, Ellie. I'm going to be blunt. The 21 year olds who have lived their whole life <laughs> with Ben Roethlisberger as a starting quarterback, who are like, "Oh yeah, we'll just stink for a year," are the same people that acted like nine six and one was the worst thing to ever happen to this team. I mean, <laughs> if you've never experienced a six and ten season, it is awful. It is terrible. It sucks. It, it's, sucks. It's, it sucks. So yeah, um, be careful what you wish for. I'll just put it that way. Well, you know, and it's it, you mentioned the 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 PC and about the fact that um, oh god, I knew he was going to call in. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, six hundred year old Ben is joining. Yeah, me now. yeah. Uh, I I knew 
there were going to be people that weren't going to like it. And they would, you know, and so, many, so many of these people have, um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've been joined by the birthday boy, uh, Mr. Ben Anderson. Um, ben, uh, how are you tonight? Oh, that good, huh? Uh-huh. Ben probably doesn't even realize he's butt dialed us. Did Ben pocket dial into the podcast? I think he did. I think he did. I'm going to mute him until he figures out what in the hell he's doing. All right. Anyway, what a knucklehead. Uh, live, live TV, boys and girls. Um, okay. So, again, Ian pointed out so many young fans didn't live through the 80s and the, the post-Bradshaw years, blah, blah, blah. But, but Ellie, here's my question to you. Do you think some of the, the anti-Ben sentiment, do, do you think they just don't understand the salary cap and the fact that a lot of people figured, oh, if he retires or if we cut him, then we get all that cap relief? Do you think that was part of it? Probably a little bit. I think that um, the salary cap is is so difficult to navigate if you've not yeah. got a basic understanding of it. So I think a lot of people thought that, um they thought that that would go away with him that that would be he's the his existence is the reason the salary cap is the problem but it's not it's the the wheeling and dealing they've done in the past to get mm-hmm. to this point like ben always says kicking the can down the road as far as right. you can go whatever it is that he says um that's what we've done to get to this point ultimately you can't really blame ben for that that's the organization no. and the way in which they've sort of you know, manipulated his contract in the past. It's not something that he's necessarily responsible for. Mm-hmm. So I do agree with you. I think some people, it's um, a lack of understanding for the salary cap. And I also think kind of what you were saying about um, the people that haven't lived through those um, uh, pre-2004, 2005 era yeah. of Steelers, yeah. um, they've lived through a bad defense. So I think people that mm-hmm. in the in this era and like the younger fans have lived through bad defense and want to, I want a linebacker. I want this. I want that because we don't, you know, defense wins championships. Mm -hmm. And then you look at people that lived before that watched Steelers before Ben, they remember the importance of a diamond in the rough quarterback. They just don't come along. I think people think they're just going to land another star studded QB. And that just, it doesn't happen back to back. You don't get that lucky. It, it, it's you're exactly right and it's funny because you know back when brett Favre was was doing his you know kind of two-step you know well i'm gonna retire no i'm not yeah i'm gonna retire no i'm not you know i i tried to put the perspective to fans uh that this is not easy for these guys and i i saw some tweets from um, a very journeyman wide receiver recently, Greg uh, Camarillo was, was, was talking about on Twitter. He was talking about the difficulty of walking away from the game. And he said, what fans don't really understand is that this is something that we have done our entire lives. Mm-hmm. And when you play football, um, your life is very regimented. Your, your life is literally built around schedules Um Schedules of when to work out, when to practice, when to do interviews, uh, when to eat, how much to eat, you know, all that. And then all of a sudden, I'm done playing. And, well, gee, what do you know? 
I, I don't live by a whistle. I, I don't live by an alarm clock anymore. And it becomes difficult. And and so I get why a player like Ben might not be ready to let go. And mm-hmm. and I certainly understood with Favre, too. And, and the other reason I brought him up is because of the rarity um, that it was the fact that you had Aaron Rodgers sitting in the in the wings, and there was no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers was going to be as as talented as he ended up being. Um, and I think fans sometimes look at like, well, Mason Rudolph. Oh, well, he's a third round pick. He, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a good quarterback. You know, it, it's just not that easy. Um, no. So I, I think there's a lot of different angles to that. Um, so Ian, what, what is the financial or the potential financial ramifications here? He, he's not going to play for, for peanuts. So what, what are we thinking is potentially going to happen here? Right. So Ben has a $41 million cap hit of that mm-hmm. 22 and change. You can't touch because it's bonus prorated bonus money that was paid out in previous seasons so Mm -hmm. um it has to count against the cap this year so the real question is over the remaining 19 million dollars which is what he's due in uh between his four million dollar base salary and 15 million dollar roster bonus now the roster bonus is due um early in the league year on march 20th this year so that's why there's this urgency to get something done now because they have to pay him 15 million dollars on march 20th Mm -hmm. and if they do that, that would all count against the salary cap this year. And it really wouldn't matter what he does with his base salary if you have that $15 million hanging in there. So the ideas are basically if he's staying, you either just give him a straight up pay cut, which means Ben just agrees to take less money, mm-hmm. or you give him an extension on his contract, which would basically, for all intents and purposes, take that 19 million he's owed in salary this year, convert most of it to a signing bonus, which would let you prorate it out over the remaining portion of the contract. So let's just use even numbers to make this easy, right? So let's say that, you know, he's league minimum salary is about a million dollars, give or take. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little more, but I'll use round numbers. So that leaves 18 million, right? That he, that you have to to play with. Um, So let's say they sign him, to a you know three-year contract and make that 18 million the signing bonus then six million gets prorated to each of the three years of the contract to count against the salary cap so Mm -hmm. you would essentially lower your 2021 salary cap hit by Mm -hmm. 12 million dollars um you know if you stretch that out to a you know six year or no cap it can only count five years so um but give or take you know you could you could stretch it out potentially lower if you gave a blank of you know maybe somewhere in the 13 14 million dollar probably 14 ish million dollar range mm-hmm. you could save on the cap this year if you just turned that into a signing bonus um now as our ben anderson would say you know right. the Steelers have never done a thing in their history where they put what's essentially voidable years on the end of a contract. When they sign a player to a contract, they sign him to the contract for the length they expect him to play. Um, right. you know, Heath Miller, when Heath Miller retired, they had expected him to play his final year, but he decided to retire a year before his contract ended. Mm-hmm. Um, Lawrence Timmons, they let him play out the full length of his contract and, uh, you know, take a massive cap hit on him the last year of his deal. Uh, you know, some other players they've, put in a position where they said look you either take a pay cut or we're gonna 
cut you, James Harrison being one of them. Yep. Um, James Harrison was not willing to take the pay cut, so he got cut, then signed in Cincinnati, then wound up coming back to Pittsburgh. So <laughs> right. it's it's one of those things where you know they can use it as a negotiating tool, but they typically don't do those voidable you know, fake years essentially on the end of the contract. So this may be a different situation, but let's also not forget that this situation is not entirely the Steelers' fault because they were not expecting a global pandemic to hit that would lower the salary cap by about $20 million. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was 198 this year, and they've said it'll be at least 180 next year. But I mean, that's still, that's $18 million less that you have to work with. So, you know, the way they they typically budget and work things out, they were assuming they'd be able to handle this cap hit this year, but no one plans for a global pandemic that makes the league lose four billion dollars in revenue. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know that it, don't the the blame does not fully rest with Ben Roethlisberger for signing the deal, nor does it fully rest with Omar Khan and Kevin Colbert for the contract mm-hmm. they did or you know restructured over the years. Some of it is just the reality of the cap is going down and no one ever expected it to go down. No, and and, and that's that's a great point to end on. Um, you cannot predict uh, something like what we've been going through. You just can't predict it. And um, so so that's ultimately where we are. And, and I, I'm going to be curious to see what they do with his, with his contract. Um, I, you know, again, he's made roughly $250 million in his career. Um, and, and, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, he's made enough. He'll play for peanuts. Well, he's not going to play for peanuts. Um, and, and the NFLPA isn't going to be crazy about him playing for peanuts either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it will be fascinating, but, um, Ellie, you're aware uh, of what Matt Canada is going to bring to the offense in terms of the motion and all that stuff. Um, yes. how, are you okay with Ben running that? Do you think he'll stick with it? Um, or are you concerned he might kind of go a little rogue as he did at times with Randy Feekner last year? I don't think he had much of a choice last year because mm. it clearly wasn't working in certain circumstances, True. many circumstances. Um, this time, I really do believe, and I actually spoke to you, Ben, our Ben about it a little bit and he was explaining it to me a little bit and he said like the idea is you know I think if somebody is saying I want to come back and I want to play Mm -hmm. I can't imagine certainly if the conversation has gone the way it sounds it has gone where there was Mm -hmm. an idea that they weren't sure if they wanted him back and he sort of very implicitly said I do want to come back I'd be very surprised even a, a veteran quarterback such as Ben to sit there and say I want to come back but I don't want to run his offense yeah so I, I think that sure he might not be um 100% down to run the creative side mm-hmm. of Matt Canada's offense but the sign of a good offensive coordinator is working with the talent you have not trying um, to fit somebody in and mold somebody into a scheme that they're not built for. You have to work with what you're given. Mm-hmm. And if you're given Ben Roethlisberger, you should, as a good offensive coordinator, you should find a way to make it work. So I really don't think that we'll see the, and I'm like putting it in air quotes, right. the true 
um, Matt Canada offense in the NFL this coming season. I think that this will be a sort of hybrid. And maybe next year, if we are moving forward with somebody else as our QB1, mm-hmm. that's when we might see something a little bit more um, reminiscent of what Matt Canada was doing in college. Interesting. That's Yeah, you know, I... <sighs> I don't know that I had settled on that. I thought mm-hmm. maybe that that like you were pointing out that if Ben was going to come back, um, that maybe you know Mike Tomlin said, "Hey Ben, we we love to have you back, but you know, look, Matt's running the show. This is what we're going to do. If you can't be on board with that, then then it's just not going to work." Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there's something to be said about working your system for or with the players you have instead mm-hmm. of trying to make the players you have work to your system. Um, that is often the death knell for so many coaches at so many levels uh, in so many sports. If you if yes. you try to force people to do what you want them to do instead of kind of working to their strengths, then you're, you're just asking for, for trouble there. Um, Ian, uh, any, any thoughts from the schematics here uh, with Ben returning? You know, I mean, he – he wants Juju to come back, but I, I think we all, you know, have to understand that that's going to be very, very difficult to to have happen. He's he's going to be without his, one of his best friends in Marquise Pouncey. It's likely going to be, you know, without uh, Alville Nueva. Um, I, I mean, are you surprised he's coming back? I guess first of all, I think first and foremost, we've seen over the last few years. Ben Roethlisberger seems to be very interested in storytelling, um, especially with you know the the whole YouTube series and all that. That he, I think he he really wants to try and go out on top like Jerome Bettis did. He really yeah. wants to get another Super Bowl. Um, you know he he really wants the story of his career to end on a good note. Yeah, um, and and I think you know leaving on the way last season ended would be a very sour note for him to leave on. And I think he wants to leave on a different footing than that. So I'll say I'm not surprised, you know, with him being the competitor that he is and mm-hmm. um, being very interested in, in his legacy that he wants to come back and end it differently. Um, I will say that winning cures a lot of ills. You know, oh, Peyton yeah. Manning had to adapt to a John Fox run the ball and throw short when you need it. You know, Peyton mm-hmm. was basically throwing with a noodle arm his last year. Oh, I mean, heck, sure. Brock Osweiler could throw farther down the field than Peyton <laughs> could that last year. Mm-hmm. But the Broncos won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And Peyton got to go out on top. So, you know, Peyton had to do something he didn't like, something he wasn't comfortable with, but they won. And that cured a lot of bad feelings. And I think when you're winning, you're more willing to do things outside your comfort zone if they're working. Now, you know, if Ben has to come in and run an offense he doesn't like and it's not working, then, yeah, he's going to start drawing up plays in the dirt again. And we'll see where it goes. The one thing I will say is Ben, Ben is very good at identifying things on the field and making on-field adjustments. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about how he's he's not necessarily a tape guru like Tom Brady or some of the other quarterbacks are. Um, he 
doesn't necessarily you know study film but when he gets out there and sees what's happening you know that that view from within the helmet he's very good and yeah. one of the things that matt canada's motion does is it forces the defense a lot of the time to reveal what they're doing before the snap you know if a wide receiver goes in motion if a guy follows him the whole way across the formation you're pretty sure they're in man coverage you know right. if the defense just kind of slides to adjust then they're probably in zone so doing even small things like that is going to give ben a lot more pre-snap information to help him identify what's happening when he's out there so i think he'll he'll like some of that stuff because it'll give him more information and help him make his reads quicker and easier um you know kind of with what the defense is doing so i think in some respects it'll play to his strengths mm-hmm. um you know, obviously the the motion offense typically runs well with a mobile quarterback, which Ben is not. But mm-hmm. if you can run the ball at least semi decently, you can set up a play action game, which forces the linebackers and the safeties to step back, which gets less pressure on the quarterback, mm-hmm. which Ben would also like. I mean, yeah, um, there was a one threw out there on Twitter this week that was fantastic. That while Ben had the the fastest release time in the league, he had like the twelfth most quarterback hits or something like that so yeah. he was getting it out fast but he was still constantly under pressure because the line play was so bad yeah that I mean that's got to improve I don't I don't care how quick he's getting rid of it or, or what the offense is one way or the other he's got to uh, get get better protection um, just a reminder you're listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated, serving Broward in the southern Palm Beach counties whether it's commercial, residential multifamily or condos Contact Deck Roofing today by visiting deckroofing.com. Um, let's slide over and talk a little draft stuff. Um, we, we, we've talked a lot of free agency and, and the one year left on their contract guys in recent weeks. And, and you know, we're, we're all starting to kick out uh, some draft profiles. And, and please definitely stop by stillcityblitz.com and, and check those out. We're, we're trying to get guys that um, – we know the Steelers are interested in uh, right away guys that we know they maybe have talked to things like that. Um, And, and also positions of need, you know, offensive line running back. uh, You know, I've started working a little bit on quarterbacks too. Not that I think they're going to draft one, but you know, you you never can be too sure. Um, Today in his mock draft, Mel Kuyper jr. Who, who, what, what was, what was it? He said about Jamarcus Russell, Ian, uh, that he was a guaranteed Hall of Famer, the next John Elway, and yeah, yeah, yeah. all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, so Mel take whatever years. Mel Kuyper says <laughs> and, and with a very large grain of salt. However, for his mock draft today, he had the Steelers uh, taking Alabama's uh, center, Landon uh, Dickerson, today. And um, that's perfect because Ellie uh, did a profile of Dickerson today, mm-hmm. or not today, but, but recently. And um, what were your thoughts, uh, Ellie, as as you took a look at at this kid? Lots of positives. Um, mm-hmm. He's huge. He's six six, three hundred and twenty six pounds. So Whoa. large human. Yeah. Um, could play all positions at once if he wanted to. Um, <laughs> he he. Uh, there were lots of things that I liked about him. Um, he is great. He's great at reading the field. Um, he has great hand positioning. He, I mean, he barely has to touch someone and he's knocked them down and probably knocked them out for a few weeks. <laughs> um, he's got well-anchored feet. I loved seeing he, he has really accurate snaps. Not perfect every time, but you don't right. need perfection. You just need something close to that in the NFL. <laughs> um, 
he I, I liked what I saw um against uh, Missouri. He was um he was getting to his guy and then also um offering assistance to other linemen. He mm-hmm. um particularly earlier in the game, he is able to track his running back um fairly well of course having a running back like Najee Harris you know yeah that helps um, yeah that helps (laughs) you certainly look pretty good when that's your running back um but there are some points of concern that I had Mm -hmm. with him um he isn't the most athletic which at that size makes sense um yeah he definitely would be much he would probably be much better on a scheme that is more power-based um Mm -hmm. And he does um, hit high. He plays very high. So he it's easy to knock him off if he doesn't anchor well, if he doesn't um, get a good bend in his knee. I mean, he's quite easy to slip past. Um, but the number one issue with him is he has sustained some pretty serious injuries for an athlete in general, but particularly yeah. for a position which requires durability. He has had um, some pretty significant injuries, um, an ACL tear, ligament damage, an ankle that required surgery. Um, and he's only played one full season in his college career. Now he did win the um, trophy for um, center, the best center in the country. So when he plays, he plays well, but, those injuries are significant in my opinion i agree with everything ellie just said i watched a little of his tape too yeah i was you you thank goodness for you because i i didn't know how to word what i was trying to describe what i was seeing but he 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 has potential i think i'd agree with that I don't know what's happened. I think I can't hear Mark anymore. No, he went, he's muted himself. Oh, okay. Well then we'll talk. So wait, wait, I'm back. Oh, Mark's back. back. Okay. Okay, Thank God. I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did. (laughs) Apparently my Alamo bourbon has, has gotten to my fingertips here or something. Um, No, what what I was going to say is. Took about as many L's as Michigan has over the years. (laughs) Oh my God. My, how do you connect the Alamo to that? That is, that's impressive, Ian. Nice job. That's very impressive. Uh, what I was going to say about Dickerson was the the, and it's what Ellie said that that kind of caught my attention is that you know power based. In other words, he would fit really good in a power type running game, yes. and then so immediately I start thinking, well. Uh, Matt Canada probably is going to do a lot of movement and a lot of outside zone stuff. So maybe he's not quite the guy for that. Um, But yeah, I I totally um, loved and agreed with what you said based on the video I've seen of him. And and I'm pretty sure I heard Ian kind of say the same thing. So, Mm -hmm. um, and and I don't, uh, I think Kuiper's reaching a bit there. I don't see him as a first rounder just almost strictly because of the injury stuff, but yeah. also because of maybe a little lack of the athleticism, but um, um, no, he did, a, yeah. an early, an early third rounder would be where I would particularly go. A mm-hmm. lot of people have said to me, Oh, late second, late second, potentially. Um, but with no combine, I know there's an injury style combine, which right. he, he may be invited to, and he would be assessed on, especially with the most recent injury being this year. He, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he's, 
been injured in 2021. Um, you know, maybe if he, he has a clean bill of health, that might lead him to be to land in the second round. But for me, when you're talking about a position that is the very central hub of your offense, of your own mm-hmm. line, mm-hmm. Um, having bad knees and bad ankles is that's concerning to me. No, I, I man, you you don't have to say it twice because mm-hmm. I'm with you. Um, center is just it's so hard. It's like catcher in baseball. It's so yeah. hard on your knees, your ankles, your hips, uh, and and if you've had problems with those prior, then uh, it, it's a red flag. And I feel yes. bad for the young man, but it, it just is, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ian, you you've been focusing more on skill guys right now. G- give us. Uh, I think you looked at uh, Kadarius. Uh, Tony out of Florida and um, uh, one of the best names in all of sports, WAP, right? Uh, yes. WAP. WAP. Was it WAP Taylor? WAP Taylor. That's yes. right. So, That's right. Yeah. So I did um, a, a couple running backs and a couple wide receivers. Um, Mark, you've also done a few running backs in there as well. Yeah. Um, so I'll start by talking about the receivers. I was really trying to focus on slot wide receivers to look at um, just because uh, – assuming juju leaves i mean if juju comes back then our slot wide receiver situation is set we're good no worries um if if juju leaves we've essentially got three guys who are at their best when playing outside in chase claypool deontay johnson and james washington um so then your options are either you know elevating ray ray mcleod's role or finding someone else who can play in the slot so that was why Mm -hmm. i started looking at you know your your 511 190 guys basically yeah, um, yeah. that the, the seals have drafted a whole bunch of over the years and had success with i mean that was emmanuel sanders that was antonio brown um you know they they kind of love those 511 to six foot slightly under 200 pound receivers mm-hmm. um Kadarius tony is the the best of the bunch i've looked at he would absolutely excel in matt canada's offense i mean his highlight tape is just a treat to watch he has everything you could possibly want in a slot wide receiver he's explosive in short areas he's got good longs from people he's a great Mm -hmm. punt returner and on top of all of that he's a devastating blocker for a guy who's 511 190 like florida kept him in in their goal line sets because he just maul cornerbacks out of the way like it was it was really fun to just watch him block guys because he just go after him and smack him in the chops that's pretty um, impressive that, a 511 190 kid down yeah. the goal line yeah yeah like go i i link the the videos i watch at the bottom of my profile so go go watch some of his profiles and just like what he does when he's not involved in a play was highly impressive that said he's he's probably like a a second or third round type guy i would say Mm -hmm. um you know if if he could play outside he'd be a first round pick um but i think nfl teams are going to be a little hesitant to use a first round pick on a guy who's pretty much only a slot wide receiver um right. so that probably drops into the second day of the draft but he's he's going to be a really good player for someone um i also looked at daz newsome out of north carolina who's mm, yep. um probably mid fourth rounder um 
does a lot of similar things to Tony, but not as well. Newsom right. is Newsom has a lot of straight line speed, but he doesn't have a lot of wiggle to his game. Whereas, you know, Tony makes some cuts in his route running that are just like, you know, yeah. leave cornerbacks laying on the ground. Basically the, the cuts were so good. Um, Newsom's a lot more straight line speed. Um, you know, when he gets up to that speed, he can run away from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's good with the ball in his hands, but he he doesn't necessarily have that ability to carry speed through his cuts. Um, you know, he can he can make sharp cuts, but he, he slows down when he makes them and doesn't carry oh, smoke okay. through them. Um, so I'd say Newsom's probably like a fourth roundish guy, and mm-hmm. then um, Wap Filer, like you said, best name in the draft or <laughs> Filler, sorry, Wap Filler, um, out of Indiana, uh, slightly undersized a little bit, like. You know, five ten ish, maybe like one seventy five, one eighty. Um, mm-hmm. Nicknamed WAP for his childhood love of Burger King Whoppers. So, um, <laughs> I it, love it, story. It's, it's the bill. It's it's the this is the best. Um, you know, he's he's a little undersized. <laughs> he's the best out of the slot. Um, but but what I saw of him, he was tough and reliable. He doesn't have the the long speed that the other guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, to he doesn't doesn't break off long touchdowns he gets caught from behind a lot that he's got a lot of short area quickness that he can get away from people but he gets he'll get he's not gonna break away down the field but he was really good out of the slot he was you know the big tens leading receiver this year just because he caught so many passes um one of the you know leading receivers in indiana's history i think he has the most or tied for the most um you know double digit reception games in indiana's history or in the big 10 over the last couple years so um he's he's a reliable target out of the slot that knows how to get open and is pretty good on punt returns and his his short area quickness is very very good he just doesn't Mm -hmm. have the long speed so I'd, I'd probably put him around the you know fifth or sixth round, maybe sixth okay. round ish. Um, if I mean, if I had to pick one of the guys based on the draft investment, like getting a WAP failure in the sixth round versus a Kadarius Tony in the second. I mean, Tony's definitely the better player. Yeah. But if you're talking about guys who can contribute what we need, I'd probably take failure in the sixth over you know Tony in the second or Newsom in the fourth, but knowing but, that you're addressing other needs in the second. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so an intriguing guy to watch on day three, I'll put it that way. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've, my focus has mainly been uh, running backs, quarterbacks right now. And um, I, I looked at the Carter kid out of North Carolina. And, you know, they, they had, besides him, there was Williams. They had two really, really good running backs there. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he does a lot of really good things. He's got good speed, great balance, you know, all these things you look for. Uh, love that he falls forward, man. I love these kids that just that when they get hit, it doesn't matter if they get hit from front, back, side. They always fall forward. Um, he's he's one of those. Hands are a little questionable, um, you know, in terms of catching the ball. And and the one thing with all these guys that I've looked at, the pass protection is uh, in need of serious help. Um, and and you know, I, I looked at Trey Sermon too out of Ohio State slash Oklahoma. Um, you know, I, I, he's a tough eval because he, he, half of his yards this year pretty much came in one game, um, in the, in the big 10 title game, he split time with, uh, master Teague, uh, another one of the great names in college sports. And, um, you know, a lot of things to like, but you know, did he really do anything to, to wow me? No, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I tell you this kid out of Memphis, Kenneth Gainwell 
a former high school quarterback. He started at in uh, Yazoo City High School down in, in Mississippi. Uh, quarterback three straight years. Comes to Memphis. Uh, doesn't see the field much in red shirts in his in his freshman year, and then just explodes in his sophomore year. Um, 1,500 yards, plus he had 51 receptions, I think 17 total TDs. I, I mean, he was all over the formation, slot, wide, uh, obviously in the backfield. He was Wildcat quarterback. Um, I, I mean, really, really fun guy to watch. And, and again, the only real knock on him, I would say, is is pass blocking and blocking in general. It just It's going to need serious work. So, I, I mean, I, I like any of these kind of guys if the Steelers choose to go you know, heavy on the line or, or maybe sneak a defensive player that we don't see coming, uh, you know, mm-hmm. early in the draft. But, um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm working on, uh, uh, you know, quarterbacks. I did Kyle Trask out of Florida. Um, uh, yeah, I know a lot of Steelers fans like him and I, I don't see it. Um, the arm strength is not there. He struggles to get the ball to the boundaries. Um, if you watch him throw deep, everything is arm. Um, yeah, yeah, doesn't use his legs and his hips very well. Um, and, and, you know, again, if you want to get him in the mid rounds, I guess fine, but I, I don't think he's going to be your future starter. And, and then I just started work this week on Mac Jones. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, so far there's some interesting things. I don't know that I'm quite ready to, to get as crazy as some of the national people are about him yet, but uh, because part of it's because he's got so much damn talent around him in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous. He's handing off to Harris. He's throwing to Devonta uh, Smith. He's, he had a great tight end. I mean, geez, oh, man, we should all be so lucky as quarterbacks, right? Um, yeah, Ian, go ahead and just talk a little bit about – you put out an article this week at SteelCityBlitz.com uh, about why it's maybe not a great idea to draft a running back in the first round. Yes, and I would encourage everyone to go read it, including the people who are tweeting me, you know, answers mm-hmm. to my question of is it worth it to draft a running back in the first round, you know, people tweeting me before they read the article. So I would encourage you to read the article. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, people respond <laughs> before they read the article? I've never Shocker, heard of such right? a thing. Yeah. People make I assumptions? I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, you know what they say about assumptions. Um, at, at any rate, um, so so basically, I looked at the players that finished in the top twenty in rushing in the last two seasons, and the the vast majority of them were twenty five and under, and still on their rookie contracts. And mm-hmm. we've seen it a lot with running backs that basically they burn out after five years or so, and the investment of a first round pick in a guy that you're not really going to get a full second contract out of uh, is, is not really the best use of your draft investment. You're much better off choosing another position where, you know, you can get eight, nine, 10 good years out of that player. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming you hit on that player, obviously. I mean, we've had our Artie Burns as we've had our Jarvis Joneses that just didn't work yeah. out. Um, but I mean, we've also had our, you know, yep. our, our yep. TJ Watts and, um, Bud Dupree is going to get a very nice contract this yeah. year, whether it's from us or from someone else. Um, so our Marquis Pounceys that we got 10 years out of, our Heath Millers, our Ben Roethlisberger's. But so, yes, if, if you hit on the first round pick, you, you don't want to be you don't want to be someone that's going to burn out after five years. And running backs in general 
tend to burn out after five years that's the trend usually, right or sooner yeah. um, mm-hmm. so you're you're much better off taking a running back the and the sweet spot seems to be um between picks 33 and 75 so basically between the beginning of the second round through the middle mm-hmm. of the third round seems to be you know the the best spot to get a, a running back and you can get ones that are comparable to uh, the guys you get in the first round. I mean, obviously, your first round picks over the last five years, you've had, uh, you know, your Zeke Elliott's, your Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley's, your Christian McCaffrey's. But if you look at the guys who have been taken in the second round, you've got Derrick Henry, you've got Dalvin Cook, you've got Nick Chubb, uh, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alvin Kamara was a third round pick, but he was number right. 67. So that's still within that 33 to 75 range. So, um, you know, you you can get guys in that range that are comparably good to the first rounders um, and that will, will give you what you need out of a running back. So I am, I'm not saying I'm against drafting a running back this year. I'm saying I'm against using a first round pick on one because I'd much rather take an offensive lineman that's going to be here for 10 years than a running back that's going to be here for five. I'd rather use a second or a third round pick on a running back. I agree. <sighs> Yeah, I, I mean, you've done the research and and have found uh, uh, what what they call facts. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, and I, I'm stumbling over my words. I, you know, I I think what happens is fans see uh, Najee Harris, and and we all saw Twitter after his his uh, very famous hurdling of the uh, uh, player, and and I don't I don't recall who the opponent was, but. Um, you know, you just see fans immediately. Oh, we got to draft this guy. We got to draft this guy, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's like, look, the guy is a great talent, but the evidence suggests that running backs are just as plentiful in the second and third round right now as they are in the first, and and especially when you know you have to reload that offensive line. Um, yeah, I you know, and and so I I don't really know what other things can be said about it what other information needs to be said to to further that that point yeah go ahead ellie the i think some of it as well and this is just a very sort of like minimal thing is that um the the o-line is not a glamorous position to draft in the first round people want to have that moment of oh my gosh we got Mm. the star studded player from so and so and they want to feel that that like euphoric feeling of drafting someone that other people wanted that was a big talking point in national media and that isn't very often someone who is on the offensive line um unless it's someone who is who looks a particular way such as like alex leatherwood he gets a lot of talk because look at the size of him he's huge and but it's not a glamorous position it's this kind of um it's almost like the thankless job on the on the team a little bit it does all the work but we don't talk about them enough but the truth is is that drafting one of those guys as you've both said in the first round gives you so much more bang for your buck than a five-year running back who they'll give you the maybe five great years but you're Mm -hmm. right not very often are you getting a second contract with the same level of work because they burn out so fast. Well, I, it, it's a fantastic point. And it, the media doesn't help either because the media wants to focus on the skill guys yeah. um, that are drafted. And, and you know, you, you get those brief moments where when the draft pick is announced and, and they'll talk about how wonderful this offensive lineman is. But you, as you pointed out, 
they go immediately right back to the the quarterback that was drafted or, or the hot receiver or something exactly. like that. And yeah, so I think it's a very good point. Yeah. Ian, did you want to say something? I'm sorry. Uh, the only thing I was going to add was that um, even if you do draft a running back, regardless of where, chances are actually they're not even going to play all 16 games for you. Over mm-hmm. the last two seasons, only eight of the 64 starting running backs have actually completed the whole 16 Ugh. games. Well, have started all 16 games. So, you know, if you look at the 32 starters each year, um, only eight over the last two years have started all 16 games. So, I mean, Incredible. when you're talking wow. about one eighth, you know, 12 and a half percent of starting running backs start all 16 games. Like, is it worth using a first round pick on a guy who may only last five years and probably isn't even going to be, you know, a 16 game starter for all those five years. No, oh, I, I, another great point. No, you guys are full of great points tonight. I just need to <laughs> shut up. Um, anyway, we're, we're wrapping things up here on the uh, Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast. And uh, it's it's now time for parting shots. And uh, I, I don't know if either of you have anything uh, on your mind that you need to get off your chest or anything like that. But but now is certainly the time. Um, do, do either of you have something you feel the need to share? <laughs> Go ahead, Ali. I'll let you go first. Oh no, I hate going first. Um, <laughs> parting shot. It can be, uh, you know, Steelers related. It can be NFL related. Uh, it could be, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, how uh, how busy Walt Disney World is right now. I really <laughs> don't know. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, Walt Disney World doesn't need any more advertisement from me. But um, oh no, I'm sure. I would say uh, my parting shot will be that. Oh gosh, I think I'm going to if if talking going back to what we've been just talking about. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to um, looking at more O linemen and more positions on the O line, looking at draft profiles because I'm starting to see more and more. The more research I do on these positions, the, just how integral they are to every facet of a of an offensive scheme. Mm, mm-hmm. And when you're building a new offensive scheme like we are with Matt Canada, even with the return of Ben, yep. the importance of those linemen is just it's so important. I wish I could scream it from the rooftops. It's so they're so valuable, and I've become like a complete. I'm like an O line advocate now i don't know what's happening but <laughs> i just want to talk about them all the time no so I just, I, I, it's great i love yeah, it it's a, I, I think it's a brilliant position I, i've suddenly become someone that's like obsessed with them and i just talk about <laughs> them all the time and people are like someone asked me like who's your favorite player on the team right now and i'm like it's kevin dotson and like who is that and i'm like it's no alignment and you should know that <laughs> yeah really you should not be saying who is that yeah, exactly. No That's great. Uh, Ian, any uh, parting uh, shots for tonight? As a David DeCastro jersey wearer, I am very much in favor of this new turn by Ellie to be a pro O line uh, advocate for us. Yes, advocate. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so my parting shot is that since Ben is not here to tell mm-hmm. us that the Ravens suck, that the oh. Ravens do, in fact, suck. Okay. And. Uh, Sucks to be the guy that's got to shave his head, but it's his fault that he bet on the Ravens who suck. So um, we will get our parting shots in at the Ravens and at their fans. Happy birthday, Ben. Hope it was a good one. Congratulations on being a thousand years old.
Yes, yes, uh, indeed, yes. Happy birthday, Yoda Ben, uh, for sure. And, and I, I can't wait to hear the story about the 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 drop in he had earlier in the show, and and it clearly sounded as if he was around a large gathering of people, which is a bit fascinating to me because I don't know of anybody that actually likes him, so I don't know why anybody <laughs> would be around him. <laughs> so maybe he hired uh, crisis actors to come in and and uh, pretend like they were his friends or something. So he probably I'll, won't uh, remember. Th- oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how quickly he's on Slack in the morning, and then we'll probably yes. have a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna get out of here and uh, leave the jokes right there uh, for both uh, Ellie and Ian. This is Steel Dad signing off on the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing dot com and hey go Steelers <laughs>